Hey guys, thanks for watching Ike Live. It's brought to you by Mystery Tackle Box. Please check them out. They've got a great product. Go to mysterytacklebox.com. If you use the coupon code Ike Live, you get 50% off Sweet. your first pro box. That's $12.50 <laughs> for a almost $50 value of baits in this box. One, two. One, two. One, two. We're no longer testing. We are live on the Bassmaster Classic floor for Ike Live 2018 Classic. We're here at the Expo. Uh, we've talked to everybody, but but you haven't really talked to everybody on, uh, until you talk to Rick Pierce from Bass Cap Boats. How are you, Rick? Pete, I'm great. I'm great. How you doing today, Mark? I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah. This guy's got stories. <laughs> <laughs> a a, a yeah. few stories. You've been to a few classics, from yeah, what I understand. Started doing classics in the 80s, you know. We've been most of the outdoor shows we've done, so okay, been to several of them. Well, Rick Pierce, for those of you that don't know, that have lived under a rock your whole lives, is uh, is the is owner of Bass Cat Boats, former owner. I guess you're still operating Bass Yeah, Cat we're Boats. still running it. We, you know, we got a good deal. We joined in with Correct Craft Family, and okay. they, which this deal was set up where I still run the company till I decide I don't want to. So, pretty good setup, really. As, as it should be. Yeah, they've done really good. You know, it's our third year. Mm -hmm. um, we're about to go into our fourth year, and it's pretty much been just like we talked about. Uh, you know, you deal with a few different things, but it's been great. Well, that, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, we talked with Ken Duke about it. We've seen what's going on in the sport. Bass boats are selling. Uh, hey, people are a, getting into the sport again, and uh, it seems like the boat sales are through the roof. Yeah, you started fishing, Pete, about, what, 90, 91, 92? Uh, actually, it was 95. 95. I'm not, I'm, not that, I'm not that old. Come on, give me a break, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I knew it was in there, but, uh, you know, back in the uh, – this is as busy as we've been since 91. And 91 is, is right? a product we brought out to Saber P2. Mm -hmm. But uh, this year it's just market, and it's product too, but it's market. Okay. The market's just off the charts. And, you know, we just got back from the Miami Boat Show, and, of course, we don't do anything at Miami. But at Miami, the theme of the thing was just pretty much everybody was out of out of uh, production capacity. I don't care wow. if it was 60-footers or 100-footers. Everybody needed to build more. Well, I well I got to tell you, and you got to make this happen right now. Next week you got to make make a slot for my new new cat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to right squeeze away. that right in. Now all you customers you know, out there realize he just has to bump you. Step aside. Step <laughs> aside, <laughs> people. His fault. Yeah, he bumped you, right? Yeah, he's bumping you. <laughs> well, that's great that, that you're at capacity and uh, things are doing so good, man. That, that's exciting, you know? I mean, it's a great sign in the sport. Yeah, it's a great time in the sport. Everybody's busy. Uh, because there's a lot of problems getting engines, a lot of problems getting everything, mm -hmm. and it's just really been a great year. That's that's great. I remember we're going to go all the way back to 95 because I think that's when we fished together. Yeah, I knew we fished together your first year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we fished together, I think. I'm trying to think. Was that um, Gaston? Gaston, yeah. 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 I started to say Gibson, but it's Gaston, yeah. That's right. We had to move to Gaston because we couldn't fish Bugs Island. It was flooded. It was flooded. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And we, we wound up fishing together that day. I rode with you that day. You rode with me. I took you to my fish, and you caught them. Yep. And I'm still a little white. <laughs> I'm still a little white knuckled from the boat ride. I, I don't know why. <laughs> was that the, was that the flip? Did you guys have to flip, or did you we guys didn't, just we just, we agreed? Okay. Yeah, but that was back really, in the flip days, though. Yeah, right? was it in was in the flip days. There were a lot of ugly days in the flip days. You know, I miss that so much. Really? Yeah. That was really when you could draw a guy like Pete and understand and learn something today. 
you really don't learn like you did then. You're learning through the media and learning through other things. In those days, we learned from each other. That's it's, true. It's really a great yeah. experience. I wish they'd bring back some of that because I really think that was a great time in the sport and time of sport change. I, you know, I and i got to say, I, I learned so much during that period. I, I was fortunate enough to draw out with Kevin Van Dam oh, yeah. on a ledge bite. Oh, you wow. talk about the draw of all time. Yeah, you learned a ledge bite. Yeah. I, I, know, I didn't know how to crank <laughs> a ledge. You know, I didn't know what a ledge you, you, was. You got I, a good one to learn from, didn't man, you? Man, and I drew out with him on Lake Eufaula in the post-spawn when wow. the ledge bite was red hot. And uh, and I cranked ledge fish for the first time in my life. And I learned, I've used those lessons from that tournament uh, to this day. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I Guido, of course, Guido was a good friend of mine. And this week, Wednesday, they had a memorial service, Guido, and... Miss Guido a lot. Um, uh, Stella, I talked to her Tuesday morning, and family, I think a lot of them, and Dion, the boys, and everybody, and the, the daughter, and that's just a terrible thing, but Guido had a great life, and got to do Guido, and um, knew, met Guido in 1970s, so I've known Guido through 40-some years, you know, and so here Guido and I draw out, the first time we drew out, we drew out at Thousand Islands, we're going to fish in the islands back in there, and he says, are you catching it? Yeah, Guido, I'm catching it. Okay, so I said, I'm catching them on a stick bait. Okay, of course, you wouldn't know that, would you? But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm catching on a stick bait. So a stick bait today and a stick bait then are different. You know, a stick bait then was uh, basically a, a jerk a bait, jerk right? Bait. Yeah. Right. So we was catching a rogue, on a stick bait. probably, at that time. At that time, it was a rogue. Yep. And so we was catching them on a rogue, and we go up there in the grass, and uh, my fish aren't biting. I got two little ones, and Guido hadn't caught one. He looks at me, he says, son? Did you fish these holes in this grass? Well, no, Gita, I didn't have to. You mind if I put a jig on and fish these holes in this grass? I think that was a 28-pound day. Holy <laughs> wow. <laughs> 23 maybe, but it was, I was good at Guido's lucky charm, so hey. <laughs> hey, well, R.I.P. Guido Hibden, he was a, a major member of the fishing community. And uh, he has just passed away, and I uh, just want to express thoughts and prayers to his family, to Stella, to Dion, and, and the whole family. Um, boy, Guido influenced, I think, everybody in the sport. You know, Bobby got him hooked up on the Gets It, and he influenced so much and uh, was really a father of uh, the spawn fishing with the Gets It and did so much that taught everybody like Peter T. Shaw and others. They spun off of it. and. Uh, it's just amazing what he had an influence with a jig and a, and a certain bait, you know. I still have the G3s and the G4s. You remember those tubes? Oh, yeah. That, I yeah, still yeah. got some of those, too. You know, of course, Bobby Garland moved in there. You know, Bobby's shop, when he passed away, was about uh, actually two miles from the factory. Okay. So, really? So, yeah, Bobby stopped by all the time. Man, you got to try this new bait. I just built it, you know, and it be a cut and a tail or who knows what he did. You know, he slotted the side. It creates bubbles. and it had always had yep. something he was tweaking with. So Bobby was a great guy. Wow. He was an Arkansas guy, moved to Arizona, and came back home. I got you. I yeah. got. Well, he certainly had a big influence on Guido, and Guido influenced everybody with sight fishing. He he influenced everybody with finesse fishing. He like sure you did. think about the guys like Ike, who's making finesse fishing famous, and the drop shot guys. But but Guido was the first one to get out there and win the big derbies with a spinning rod. Yeah. You well, know? Guido wasn't only a. Um, a spawning fisherman he was a jig fisherman but he was also a great dock fisherman mm-hmm. so coming off of lake the ozarks you know a lot of people think ozarks think about docks mm-hmm. there are over thirty-five thousand boat docks on lake the ozarks 
Is that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. That's a <laughs> lot of docks. <laughs> yeah, it's a ton of docks. There's 35,000 docks on Lake the Ozark, and so it's just they're spread all over. And what that did is Guido got in there and finesse fish and got under everything, learned how to do that whole deal. Right. And, you know, it's funny because uh, that's the last tournament he won was on docks on yeah. Lake Champlain. Champlain on docks. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Champlain. <laughs> And of course, he won finesse fishing that time. He decided yeah. to go with a big jig. Oh, uh, he got good at that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that that was the last tournament that he won. But I'll never forget. Uh, um, I got I didn't know Guido that well while I was competing. Well, I guess I did a little bit, but it, I got to know him uh, through Evan Rude. I you know worked. Yeah, they were he Evan and I Rude both team. worked for Evan Rude, and and uh, we we worked a lot of shows. We worked uh, some classics and some FLW championships together, and I, I got to know him a little bit and. Guido was uh, from your neck of the woods, and and I think you're a little like this, man. You call like you see it. You know, yeah, Guido he just good told you the way it was. I think Stella's better than him. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, yeah. where he learned it, maybe. Yeah, well, he, he was, I think he came by pretty natural. Yeah. <laughs> you knew where you stood when yeah, you were talking with Guido. You were at. Yeah. Guido Hibden. So uh, we all miss him and uh, wish his family all the best. But. Um, but so, uh, you know, we got boat business is going pretty good uh, right now, and uh, I see some new models in the Bass Cat line. Yeah. W- what do you guys have going on? We've got, uh, of course, we brought the Lynx out of Houston last year. It took us about six months to get it out in product, and it's right now number one selling model. And they're flying out of dealerships, and people are buying them, and it seems to like them, and they like the floor plan. You know, you get the offset decks, the new Pantera Classic with an offset deck, so you can lay your rods down the outside. And still open all your lids, and you don't have to move your rods. So How it's something cool nobody's that? ever done, you know. Right. So we've slipped the the doors in and offset the lids to the inside. It's a great deal. It really works mm-hmm. well. And uh, then we've made the links of that angle do- door, and everybody kind of hammered it last year, you know. Yeah. What did you do that for? <laughs> now a couple of guys have got them. It's like, you know, I never thought about it. Right. Yeah, so now you slip your tips in the front end. And, you know, the way I tell the story on the links, well, how did you come up with that? Doing the morning death march of a co-angler. How many times have you seen a co-angler come down the bank and he's holding his rods in one hand. He's got ten rods and the bottom's like this. <laughs> he's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he can put all his rods in there, but the reels take up so much space, it only makes sense. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's put the reels in the wide part, near the front part, and leave that for other storage. Dang. Why didn't everybody else I, think of that? that? That's why he is who he is, man. That's good stuff. Man, yeah. and, that's the, and by the way, when the, the factory shuts down so you can slip my boat in, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the model that I, that, that I want to order yeah, it's, for this it's, year. Uh, it's purple and orange. <laughs> that's, per- that's perfect. Though. I looked at it because I do so much teaching out of my boat, and I love the, the additional room, the additional deck space. uh Seating space, I mean, I just love that. Yeah. Putting up in the front end, you know, guys that pitch and flip, it really puts you right up in the front end where you can mm-hmm. cover water really well. If you're a topwater or a twitch bait, stick bait angler, you can fish out of either side of the boat going in a pocket. Mm-hmm. Roll casting is just so simple. There's a lot of things people don't think about. You know, it's really simple stuff. Rick, I, I want to ask you from the the boat perspective, when you look at 10, 15 years ago, the accessorization of a bass boat now is just, I mean, it's... Wow, it really blew up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Ike's responsible for some of this. I'll never forget <laughs> going to an E-50, and we used to do the E-50s, and you go down there to Fort Worth, and you look at 
uh, Mike's got the twin screens, you know, mm-hmm. and nobody had twin screens in. Everybody wants to take credit for it, but Mike had the twin screens. That's who had the twin screens. And he was the guy that ran twin screens. And so I'm like, do you really need them? Well, for Mike, the real reason he did it, as you know this, is a backup. Mm-hmm. He didn't really run both screens. He right. wanted a complete second set of units on his boat. So if this set went down, they're actually, on Mike's boat, folks, they're separate wired. Yep. So they're separately wired. So this set goes down. This is on a totally different circuit. Mm-hmm. Today, guys are doing it, just stuffing them all together. And it's created a lot of drain on the boats. But that started about 2007, Mark. And uh, when that happened, really kind of came in. Uh, the power poles, you know, before right. 07, 08, we didn't hardly sell a um, um, hydraulic jack plate. We hardly sold one. And you really didn't need it. You don't need it today, but the guys like it. It's, it's affordability. They can afford it. It's price, price of boats up, of course. But you can go back, you know, in 2003, as a company, we made the Cougar FDD and put uh, GPS, the big screen, the X28, X16, in the dash, which would have been X25, X26 then, before the color units. Okay, and so the black and white X25s, X16s, and we're putting those in the dash, and that was the first boat on that 2003 Cougar FTD. You put them in a dash, and we were the number one seller of Lowrance GPSs in the business. Wow, that's awesome. Lowrance called one day. What are you doing with all these? (laughs) We're putting them on boats, (laughs) 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 and they just kind of all took off from there, you know. And I think the dual screens Mike brought forward, and then we had. Power poles come out in 07 and accessorization. And we got down scan, side scan. Uh, we got, you know, everybody's got some version of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, some of it, uh, dual dual uh, point transducers. And uh, you've got... Uh, hydrowaves now. Hydrowaves came in. It's just, uh, well, hydrowave, we really, that's one we don't sell a lot of. There's a lot of hydrowaves out there. A lot of guys on the pro side fishing. We don't really sell too many in the retail side. Okay. But uh, the dual screens are starting to come in retail real hard. And then, of course, all the side imaging, down imaging. And then you got to look what SCAF's done with transducer shield and savers and putting them on the boats today. And they're as much as a transducer. Yeah. if you don't have one, you're going to buy another transducer. Right. So you might as well just and go ahead and protect it right off the bat. You know? Transducers are 200 bucks a pop or more right. you know, so you for put, your advanced transducer. You go ahead and put the TSSs on them, and you don't have to replace it because you're not knocking it off on the yep. first stump you come across. So yep. it's a good deal. And yeah. now, you, now you've got a trolling motor that can steer you to your GPS points yeah, you know, and I, hold you there. One of the things we were talking about, I talked about this with guys at the shop the other day. We were going through, you know, of course, we built boats a long time. So I go back and we look at, let's go back mid-70s. So a $3,500 boat and you had a $3,500 car. Okay? That, think about this, right? What's your first new car? My, <laughs> mine was a 69 Chevelle. First new car. Oh, first new car? <laughs> <laughs> you did not buy a 69 Chevelle. No, I didn't. I had a 68 Camaro, but <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, had, it had 38,000 miles on it when I got it. <laughs> Man, you know, I, I was a, a pro out on tour. I, I ran used until probably my third season, I bought a F-150. Yeah. Dude, that was my first new truck. $25,000, $30,000 truck? Yeah, it was $20,000. Yeah. And the boat then probably was about $20,000. That's right. Yep. And so when you look at today, you know, you look at like a, a Yukon Tahoe or F-250 Super Duty or a Toyota Tundra that mm-hmm. everybody's running now. And you look at Toyota Tundra and you're looking at a $60,000, $70,000 truck loaded up, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, a boat, you load one up reasonably at sixty, seventy thousand. 70000 The accessorization is where the point comes in. That now you can take it to 80000 You can take it to 
what level do I want to go to? So that's probably the biggest difference. That's a great point. But when you look at the boats and the price tag of engines and everything else, they're pretty similar year to year. If I was looking at uh, in the in the mid 70s, late 70s, you know, a truck boat, um, I had a 77 Grand Prix new. It was $7,700. Boat was $7,700. Mm-hmm. So it was all similar. Yeah. It's still similar today. And yeah, it both cost more than my first house now. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> they cost almost as much as my second house, you know. I've, so that's just where we're at. And we get to be our parents. So yep. keeping reality with where it's at, what other things I've done. And when we look back at that, I look at the $10,000 number and I thought, man, they'll never pay twelve five. They paid twelve five, and never pay fifteen. They paid twenty. I thought, man, they'll never pay twenty five. When they got 25000 I figure it's just a buyer's market, and what you want is what it's want. Of course, the market's smaller, mm-hmm. but it's coming back. It's growing back. The market's the market right now, from a bass boat perspective, is a lot smaller than it was in the 80s. Right. But uh, from a standpoint of the actual cost of product, you know, I think it keeps similar to cars. And then when you look at the uh, use factor today, I mean, we've got a, a lot of guys on the water, um, a lot of used boats on the water. There's more used boats. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of water pressure, so it's it's a great story. I, I, I'm really curious, Rick, what, what happens to all these old boats? They're in somebody's garage. I, yep. Where did they all go? They're, they're somewhere under a shade tree in a garage. And if you <laughs> or, look, when you're the, driving to a boat ramp in the morning or coming back, you'll see them in the back of a yard somewhere. What, you know, it's just you just don't see them. One of, one of my old boats is growing... Uh, flowers in the carpenter's <laughs> backyard that's what i'm saying <laughs> exactly yeah uh that that certainly it probably needed to it. be but that's uh, <laughs> it had a nice drain in it. <laughs> well well i tell you you know my first uh my cougar ftd um when i got in it i you know the big test for me is i'm a great lakes fisherman right and I get into big water, and they let us go when that wind blows, and those waves get monstrous. And I just was absolutely floored at how well I was able to navigate with that cougar, 60 miles through 10-foot waves sometimes. Yeah, tacking uh, waves. Just tack them. It just keeps its nose up. I mean, it just it hits yeah. the waves so nice. It sits real nice. You're never you're never in jeopardy. You're never. You're never nose-heavy scared that something bad's going to happen to you when you're driving that boat in the rough stuff. And uh, I absolutely love that about that boat. And I put it through its paces on Thousand Islands and Erie and Champlain. And uh, just just a high-quality boat that every... You know, you, you hear that, right? You hear, oh, Bass Cat's quality boat. I'm telling you right now, it's a quality <laughs> boat because I have tested it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Mike has driven it up into the ground, uh, yeah. land yeah, that boat, on occasion. That boat, that's a great story. <laughs> you, you, know, you said I could tell a story. That's yeah. a great story. Let's hear that one. Yeah. So we, we find out Mike's got this thing up in the trees, and I'm going on, and <laughs> Becky's calling me on the phone. It's 1 o'clock, and the world's on fire, you know. Yep. Yeah, what are we going to do? Well, they pull the thing off, and she's not sure if it's even going to float, you know. Mm-hmm. They pull it off, and he finishes the day out, of course. You know the story. We get the thing up there to look at it, and it's got really almost no damage. It's got wow. A, it's got a stress crack on the right side. I still got the pictures. Mm-hmm. It's got a stress crack on the right side where it took a tree out. Mm-hmm. It, it tore a seat up where a tree took a seat out. And he's got a little spot on the left side, I think, one on the bottom in a spot, and about three or four little stretch cracks. You know, I think that was the best boat after he was done with it Mike ever had. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yep. Yeah, my, my, Mike is, you know, he, he he focuses on the fishing. There's no doubt, you know, he's and he takes risks that he probably shouldn't take. But yeah, a lot of people, you know, you know this, I know this, Mark knows this, but you know, a lot of people don't know Mike, and they think the Mike that they see this crazy Mike, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, you cannot get that man close to water. He just goes into a phobia and starts foaming at the mouth. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, he's rabid almost. We go to yep. shoot a photo shoot. And you, where's Mike? Well, he's over on that point over there. Well, Mike, somebody go get him. Yep. We were over there. Hey, Mike, we're, we need to, you know, we're ready for you. Okay. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> go back. Oh, just, just one more. Yep. Yep. No, finally, it's okay, Mike. We got to go. Yep. <laughs> and That's then, funny. And then when he's done, it's like. <laughs> I want to I want to ask him real quick it, here at the show the display that you guys have the boat uh, that is how did that work how did how did that happen I it, built it's, that it's yeah I standing straight up yeah it's a night and day project I built and it's got a hydraulic ram on a pan pump actually and uh, it, it's a little hard on the pump to bring it up at first so we take a forklift and we take it up about we mount a boat on the transom we actually mount it on the jack plate bolt the jack plate or the back of the transom to the boat. And it sits on a stand, and then we just uh, take a forklift, we bring it up a little bit, get it to about right there, then the hand pump takes it pretty easy from there, and we just hand pump it up. Wow. wow. And then we've got an uh, inch and a quarter pin that slides in and, and locks it, and uh, we built it out of uh, a one-inch hinge. We actually built the hinge out of one-inch metal. So wow. it's not going anywhere. It's I mean, really it, cool, It's though. locked in. One of the guys that's a nuclear engineer um, came in one day, and he said, do you realize how much energy is on that if it falls? I said, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I but do. It, but it's a spectacle. It's awesome when you see yeah. it. You really get to see that layout. We wanted to do that at, at Birmingham when I first made it. And we made it for Birmingham, and we were nervous because they had a new contractor. That's the first year GES did the show. Because mm-hmm. we came off of MC Square to GES. We were working, used to working with Dennis and Gene and those guys at MC Squared. And I didn't know anybody at GES, so we were really nervous to have, are they going to let us do it? Are they going to, you know, what are we going to wind up with? And we talked to them about it, wound up setting it up, and took some videos of it and showed that we could do it and it was safe. And uh, they really never gave us any static, and ever since then we've used it. You know, it's been a great, really nice tool. It's cool. I want to do some other stuff in the future, but we haven't had time to do that yet. So yeah, I think if we get to the next step, everybody's going to say, how'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think maybe if Mike winds up in the show here, we can suspend him from the top of the boat. Oh, this is a Japanese story. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Japanese story. So I, I, I put it in front of the shop for owner's invitational. We put a... You know, 21 and a half foot jag, so it's up in there, 23 foot tip of it. And somebody says, you want to put some ropes around it. So we put ropes around the backside. Somebody said, we ought to rope the front off. I said, nobody's going to be in it. No, they're, they're not that. So the Japanese come in from Japan to fish the owner's invitational, right? And they fly in. They get there in the afternoon, and I walk out of the shop door at 5 o'clock at night or 6 o'clock at night, and everybody's gone. I look out there, probably 7 o'clock at night. I look out there, and there he is, like Cowboy Bob, sitting in the seat. And they're taking a picture of him, and he's just like this, set back in the seat, like he's getting ready to go to the moon. <laughs> Tell the stories on your ears. What did, what did you say to him? Did you say anything to him? I or? said, don't worry about him. He, he can't hurt it. <laughs> when he falls out, we'll take him to the hospital. <laughs> wow. Man. But I thought, nobody will do that. And when I walked out, and there he was. <laughs> well, you, uh, you, you said in 91 you started. 
No, we started in 71. You started in 71. How did yeah. that all come about? Uh, Dad loved boats, and then um, he loved boats. My grandfather was a fisherman, not his dad, my mom's dad. Mm-hmm. And actually, my mom is is from Tulala, Oklahoma. You know anybody from Tulala, Oklahoma? I do. Uh, Terry Butcher's from Tulala. Terry Butcher, that. Edwin yeah. Evers, all yeah. that crowd. But actually, my mom went to high school in Tulala, Oklahoma. And my dad was from Nowat, Oklahoma, and there was about 12 miles separated those two towns, so they got together and... Uh, her parents had a little drive-in restaurant in the 40s and 50s, you know, in the late 40s and early 50s. So they built it right there in Tulala. So that was the place to go. Well, Dad met at that restaurant. Mm-hmm. They wound up, uh, he, uh, in high school, started building kit boats. And uh, just like you see runabouts on TV, these little wooden runabouts, they race. Well, Dad built those little runabouts in high school out of kits. Eventually, he took the kit pattern started building them himself, just using the same patterns, you know, made his own patterns. And he built several of those, and I've got a picture of one on Grandma's front porch, you know. And then he borrowed his grandfather's brand-new engine. We can tell a lot of those stories, you know. Grandfather didn't know it, all those stories. And uh, he wound up being a, um, a dealer for a Scott Atwater when he got out of high school, and he was going to sell Scott Atwaters and building wooden boats and just kind of doing it. And then he bought a um, yellow jacket. Which you don't know what a yellow jacket is. You know, I've heard of them. Yeah, yep. but he bought a yellow jacket with a little mark mercury on it. And they wound up going back and forth to Grand Lake, courting. And eventually he got into more bass fishing coming off being on the water. And he loved to ski. And he had been an archer. And he's always, Dad was always wanting to have a hobby. You kind of know this. He never really finished anything, but he started a lot of things. <laughs> and he was a great guy. He was very smart, did wonderful things. But he, uh, he always had me to finish, so that's okay. <laughs> but, no, he uh, he did all right. He started uh, fishing and got into bass clubs. Um, the oldest tournament series in the country is the Winter Bassathon Series, and it's on Bull Shoals in Norfolk, older than any of them. And so he wound up being a part of the Norfolk Bass Club and the Bull Shoals Bass Masters, being a part of the bass fishing circuit there on Bull Shoals in Norfolk, one of the founders of the Norfolk Bass Club. And eventually got into bass fishing more, and he was a plastics guy. He was a plastics engineer. That's how he wound up in Mountain Home, Arkansas. And uh, because he was a plastics guy, uh, Mom and Dad eventually bought their own drive-in restaurant. It was a nice thing, you know, and he wound up with some time, uh, started building some boats, and uh, thought just started in the garage. It was something he wanted to do, and so that's kind of where it started in 1971. Wow. Hey, uh, Rick, how come there are so many boat manufacturers in that area of Arkansas. That's What's a great question. Yeah, everybody wants to give credit to that to Ranger, but the credit isn't Ranger. I'm going to tell the truth and then live TV, okay, right? All right. Yeah, there's an old man that I think is still alive named Kenzie Baird. And I thought Kenzie moved out of his house. I think he's in a home now. But Kenzie Baird was the parent of the boat companies there. Kenzie did the tooling on the original Rebel that was the first Bassmasters classic boat. And he was located in Flippin, Arkansas. The one they took to Vegas? The, the took that's right. Okay. Yeah, he did all the tooling on the original Rebel stuff and built the original boats. And that was what Kenzie's claim to fame was. He built a little boat at home called a Kenzie Craft. And he was an aircraft engineer, and his wife was from Flippin, Arkansas. And his brother-in-law lived in Flippin, so he went back, started a little boat company because he wanted to do boats out of fiberglass in the 50s. And they were building these trout boats on the river after the dam started. So they built these wooden trout boats on the river. Well, Kenzie had a bright idea we could build them out of glass. So he started building them out of glass, and then he started building a V-bottom. And I'm sure you've seen those Bull Shows dock, all those green V-bottom boats. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, well, that was Kenzie's. 
Wow. And so Kenzie built those fiberglass green B-bottom boats, weighed about 300 pounds. Kenzie was a really cool guy about... So that was inspired by the trout fishery. Oh, uh, yeah. Coming he started out of the doing dam. that. And then the lakes, too, because he built that B-bottom for the lakes. Okay. And those guys took that little 15-foot, 16-foot, 17-foot B-bottoms, and they would guide all over Bull Shoals and Norfolk in those little green boats with 9-9, 25s yep. on them, whatever. Yeah. And so that's what started the bass business and the fiberglass business there. But Kenzie was a cool guy. I went through there about um, seven, eight years ago, and um, I caught him on top of his RV barn. <laughs> and he was a good friend. I mean, I, uh, I started young, and I, I'd call Kenzie when I started, and Dad always talked to Kenzie. And so I stopped. He was on top of the RV barn, washing the roof of his RV barn. He was 94. Wow. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I said, get down. <laughs> hey, oh, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he had no children. Yep. Uh, he owned um, the buildings right there. You come out of flipping yep. up on the hill where the grocery store and all that was. And uh, built everything from fiberglass rocks to one other products. And that's what the whole fiberglass industry. When uh, Forrest started up, there were a couple of guys. And Kenzie tells the story. This isn't Forrest's story. This is Kenzie's story. Kenzie said, he come up and seen me and said, he needed somebody to help. Did I have any ideas? He said, well, you take them two boys right there. I don't really need them. And I think they finished their career careers at Ranger Boats. Is that right? Yeah, wow. of course, that was Forrest. Only owned it for about 20 years, as you know. Right. Uh, he sold out in 87, so everyone wants to give a lot of credit to that. But there's a lot of credit to a lot of people. And so, you know, not to take anything away from Forrest. There were just a lot of people that had a lot of good things to do with that company. And that brought started the fiberglass business off Kenzie Baird in that area. And then you've got all the riverboat businesses. All, everybody had a riverboat company. There were six or eight of them at one time there. A friend of mine, Rob Williams, had bought, at this time, five of the riverboat companies. He's conjoined them into one. So that got rid of some of the competition for him. And all he does is riverboats and small boats. And he builds them right next to the shop. Just really, there's five acres separates our shop and his, Rob's. Well, that's the obvious question. Why... All there, like you got all these companies that are right there. They just migrate off because it's where the labor force is. You get trained yeah. labor, trained you know, labor. Yeah, they're all so right there. They're all right there. Now we don't really cross hire as a company. Yeah, it's really how it all started. Yeah, and then you get I'm the sure. same thing. They see Bob making a living across the street building houses. Yeah. Well, Mark thinks he can build houses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you see Mark making money. Hey, I think I can build houses. Yeah. And yeah. All of a sudden, you got two people buying houses and three people building them. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a, you know, I, I see Mark Zona do do a web show, and now we have the Lake Live web show. There you go. <laughs> that's it's how, spun off. That's how it happens. Hey, we got any Bass Cat guys? Who's our Who's our Bass Cat leader on the? On I don't the know on Bass Track today. I haven't had a chance to look. Yep. I've been going. Of course, uh, yesterday I think it was Cruz. Uh, Jesse was up there. Of course, Mike was in there in the top end. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, of course, we've got uh, Jesse Wiggins, um, Seth Fighter, Steve Kennedy, Mike Iacono, and John Cruz. Okay. okay. So we got a good crew in there. We're really tickled with our elite staff this year. Really tickled with our FLW staff. You know, Zach, Jordan Osborne, mm-hmm. come off of the seventh and the ninth, I think. I mean, a ninth, second and the ninth, mm-hmm. coming off out down there the other day, so at Lanier. A good finish. So, I mean, we're tickled with the crew on both sides. Well, that's excellent. Well, is there, you know, anything you want to say about what's going on with Bass Cat to the folks watching right now? No, uh, we've got more coming. <laughs> <laughs> we're not done yet. All of you guys that are interested in the Bass Cat, you have to get in line behind me. 
And me. And me. And, and BTC. We're gonna everybody's everybody's going to take Frank, and they're all going to be purple and orange now. If you say purple, <laughs> orange, cat, <laughs> you know where they're at. That's yeah. right. Well, we're sorry. We apologize in advance, but... Uh, Hey, you know, congratulations on your, on your new models and uh, and what's happening with Basscat. It's an amazing boat. Hey guys, I've yeah. used it uh, for several years and and it is an amazing boat. And uh, wish you continued success and uh, enjoyment in your new position over there at Basscat. And uh, appreciate you coming on with. Real quick, I want to say thank to Rick too. He has been a big part of what we have going forward from last year. Last year's when we uh, formed a partnership and. It's been yeah. outstanding. Yeah, couldn't we're part be of the happy. Now. Yeah. yeah, couldn't be happier with with the boat and and everything and Rick's support on everything that we have going on with all of the digital stuff that we have going on. So can't thank. So Rick you're enough. a visionary too. AMLF. Bub. Yeah. 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 Charge front. BCA. Yep. I mean, we've done a lot of stuff first. That's probably the one thing. You know, we always call ourselves a farm club. Eventually, it gets beyond a farm club. We started anglers. We started organizations. Uh, match bass fishing. We started that. Wow! So You've 19- been at the forefront of a lot of. We've this. been at the forefront of a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Project Sports, BCA, mm-hmm. match bass fishing, ma- major league fishing. You know, you'll never forget to call Jim Maiden. Uh, Jim will tell the story. I'll tell the story. How much time we got? Good. Tell the <laughs> story. Okay. So Jim calls me up. He says, "Ricky, uh, you know, I really you don't know me too well, but this is Jim Wilburn uh, from Wintercom. Uh, you know, I got." got a concept and i'm having a little trouble getting it off the ground so uh i talked to boyd and i talked to gary and they said um call rick yeah if anybody can help us it's rick and jim called up and i said yeah jim we'd we'd love to be a part of it you know and yeah we're gonna be a part of it now how do we need to help you get it going so we went in and we uh went ahead and continued it format changed a lot because that was in the early stages the format changed a lot with Major League Fishing. I mean, it really did from the time we started to where we were going to wanting to carry 30 boats across the country instead of where they're at right now and trying to get it where it was really manageable. And not only that, but also sponsorship. We leveraged in, and we, we brought Mercury in. We brought Motor Guide in, and then everything kind of followed, and that was real edgy. Are you sure we're doing the right thing? Uh, I got a call from a friend of mine at Mercury. He said, what the have you got me into? <laughs> I said, hey, go with it, Mike. It'll be fine. And it has. It's proven out to be a great thing. And Everybody number, loves it. Everybody, everybody talks about it. Everybody loves the program. It. Yeah, it's great. It's great TV. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a different and unique show, but it really brings them in. So we've done a lot of things first. We're tickled to always be in on the front end of everything. You know, first website with a Facebook page. Uh, bass boat side, yeah, yeah, we got all that. That's things people don't know, you know. No, all no. organic views, so it's cool stuff. Well, it's it's a, you build a great product. Bass cat is bass fishing, and I appreciate you being with me and uh, for the years that we were together, and uh, and look forward to great great things from Bass Cat. Right, we're gonna have a good year. How about you? Outstanding. That's great. <laughs> we're gonna crush it. All right, thanks, Mark. All right, thanks, man. All right, Big Luzek. Live from the Classic, we're going to be back with more for iClive.com.